horn line to speak. But sometimes I don't think that that articulation gets, gets the right staccato in there with a little more attack. So I'll just copy a staccato French horn into that spot. Here it is separately. I put it together, listen to how it speaks now. There's just enough legato in there and enough attack from the staccato French horns to get that thing. So if you add it to the entire ensemble, the entire orchestra. That's how it works and that's how you get the, everything sounding like an orchestra. And that's wow. how a grand opening looks like. Exactly. <laughs> Hey everybody! <laughs> Hello everyone! Welcome to episode 38 of The Voice It Show, everybody! How are you guys doing? It feels so good to be back again this week. And that what you saw just now was just a gist, a sneak peek into our guests' brilliance, his work life. And thank you so much everyone who is writing in the comment section. Thank you so much for joining again. We had a blast last week and this week it's gonna be awesome as well. But before we move on, uh, please subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Okay, I'm pointing in the wrong direction again. God, <laughs> this stream yard, right? So yeah. yeah, you'll see the subscribe button at the bottom. And so please go ahead and subscribe and a special shout out, just like always, to our patrons. So, Funky, please go ahead. Yes, as always, a special shout out goes to Anders Lindholm, Shelly O'Neill, Edan Gorak, Chris Vickery, and of course, Lori D. Sandoval. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for supporting our show. And yes. now, for the man of the hour, our special guest. Funky, you want to introduce? Of course. So today we are so blessed to have with us an artist endowed with multitudinous talents. And yes, we are talking about Shem Von Schreck. He is the phenomenal bassist and backing vocalist for the legendary Grammy-winning band Toto. In, and he has also toured with many Grammy-winning uh, Grammy winning award uh, artists like Kenny Loggins, uh, Don Felder, Michael McDonald. Tom Jones, David Foster, Richard Marks, and many others. And he's a veteran of the stage in the recording studio and has performed in all 50 states and 44 countries as a singer, multi-instrumentalist, and a music director in various genres. Yes, and Shem is formally educated in music theory and composition from Manhattan School of Music and in classical voice and performance from El Camino College. He has also conducted several pop concerts with the Columbus Symphony, the Oklahoma, the Dallas, the Little Rock Symphony, and the Hollywood Bowl and the Boston Pops Orchestra. He's also composed music scores for Ancient Games production, Toward the Storm being the latest one. 
He's also worked on several projects like The Apex and his own album named Son of Arthur. And to date, he is heavily immersed in studio work. He's also an author of a thriller fiction novel and a fitness enthusiast. And there's so much more maybe we have still missed out on, maybe, but we'll find out as we chat with him. So with you, Jonner, we welcome Mr. Shem Von Shrek. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. We are so good to see you. We are so, so delighted. Thank you so much for coming on The Voice It Show. We feel so blessed. Thank you for joining. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. So how are you doing and what's happening in Shem's world right now? Well, it's morning here. It's, uh, it's mm -hmm. a little after nine. And it's, like, it's the earliest I've ever done an interview. So I look awake. I <laughs> um, no, just uh, finished my chores and uh, having my coffee. So it's all good. Awesome. Wow. Okay. So let's begin with the day then. How does a typical day look like? How does your typical day look like? Well, when it's not touring or on the road, uh, if I'm home, yeah. it's, uh, it's waking up, like doing watering the plants, doing some chores, cleaning the cleaning the pool out there a little bit, and uh, I get my coffee mm -hmm. and um, you know read the news, and then uh, probably right. go to the gym or uh, hike up the mountain here behind my house and uh, wow. do some sort of physical fitness, you know, workout of some kind, and then get home and start working, whether it be, uh, you know, whatever project I'm working on. Um, right. Uh, it's usually, you know, here in my studio. And that's that's pretty much it. And, and uh, next thing I know, it's five, six o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. In the, in the yeah. Evening. So pretty much just work Time all day. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, when, and how is it when you are on tour? Uh, well, depending on your schedule, right? Where you are. Um, that's pretty uh -huh. much, if you've, if it's been an all night bus ride, you uh, mm -hmm. wake up in the next town, wherever, wherever that may be. Uh, you usually mm -hmm. check in the hotel, uh, have some breakfast right. and uh, just kind of relax. You know, I, I always like to go out if it's especially a place I've never been, uh, which I have uh -huh. a lot of opportunities to do that with Toto. I like to walk around and, and see the town and, uh, you know, get some history wow. and, find out a lot about what the, the you know, some, some of the, the landmark places and the history behind them. I'm, I'm very into that. So, and, uh, and I was able to share a little bit of that with on some of my social media posts. That was, that was a lot of fun to do. And I, I very much look forward to that every day, being able to check things out and then and share what I was doing with people that never gotten a chance to be there. So that, that was, that was always fun. Wow. And then, then of course, yes. you know, then, then there was sound check, right. And then there's the show. Yeah. And then, uh, sure. Then you get on the bus and head to the next town, and four hours later, eight hours later, you're there, depending on the distance. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And quite yeah, interesting as well. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So um, yeah. let's continue with, well, I'm going to take you to the very beginning. So apparently, as we know, you've been entertaining audiences since the age of three. So can you tell us how your musical journey started? Well, uh, 
it's it really starts with my parents, my father in particular. Um, he's a musician, a brilliant musician, and he was he played on stage. My mom and, and dad played on stage together, both singers. My dad's a multi instrumentalist, jazz pianist, drummer, uh, vibraphonist, and uh, great orchestral arranger. And uh, that's wow. so so that type of level of, of musicality was was in the house. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to embrace that, which I did, you you had there was a standard of of level of music making that was that kind of needed to be there, and and it was important to me to 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 uh, embrace those things and try to try to not emulate uh, what he was doing, but at least be able to um, talk shop with him about it. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, right. he invited me to. to play on some of his recording sessions at age 13, age 14. I was playing drums on a lot of his recording sessions he was doing in New York City, which were at that time was for jingles and music for radio and TV commercials. And I got right. to play drums uh, alongside some legendary bass players, Will Lee, Marcus Miller, when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So wow. that, that kind of experience, that was, that was the best teacher. That was better than any formal education I had was on the job training. And I mean that literally on the job. So uh, that's, that's kind of just being around that environment, musical environment Mm -hmm. uh, in those formative years was uh, was very important. And um, I really, I really gobbled that up and I'm I'm very thankful for those beginnings. Yeah, absolutely. But bass, bass wasn't the first thing you learned playing. It was the drums? Yes, drums and piano. Piano. Yeah. Right. Because okay. that's, that's what my dad played. And those instruments were in the house. Um, so we, so that, was, yeah. that was what was available. <laughs> yeah. I became a bass player by, by accident, really. Oh. You found your brother's bass? Yeah, I, I, my dad, my, we all played drums. Everybody in the house played drums. And my dad said, somebody in this house has to play something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> uh, a, a known session bass player in New York, a guy named Chet Amsterdam, loaned my dad a Fender Mustang bass, which was a little undersized, wow. seven-eighth scale kind of uh, Fender, kind of a precision, a small precision. And uh-huh. uh, and my brother played it for a while and did it, but, but I, I, I used to just pick it up and play it for fun mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it came naturally and just right as life went on and then and you start to you know you want to work it just became well True. there's more of a need for a singing bass player than drummer there's a million drummers out there but a singing yeah. bass player is a is a valuable right. commodity in a in a band so that's the direction oh, i went absolutely <laughs> Yeah, it's a good direction. And well, you play so many instruments, but is there an instrument that you don't play but would love to? The joke I always say is I don't play trombone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one that got by me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't play any of the brass instruments. I can play a C scale on a trumpet, but I but I don't play any of the brass instruments. But I did play um most of the woodwinds. Um mm-hmm. And I play cello and I play double bass. I couldn't get the this position of the violin and viola. Yeah. That, that one, right. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to really commit to it. And I, there's too many other things I want to do. But but cello and, and double bass uh, were also instruments. Right. I play string quartets and then in orchestras as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Right.
So when you got to Mice, that is 26, how did you look at life then? When you were well, 20s, what was happening? In my 20s? When you were 20, yeah, in your 20s. Uh, in my 20s, um, I was making a live. I was going to uh, Manhattan School of Music, and I was also uh, playing a lot of uh, what they would call on the on the East Coast, they would call them club dates. On the West Coast, they would call them casuals. Okay. It's playing weddings and playing, right. uh, playing uh, high society functions as, as a drummer. Mm-hmm. And then I got a mm-hmm. job working for a, uh, a music production house in New York City. And uh-huh. I was the, for the, the principal writer and, and composer for this company. And that was age 22. And I worked there for, for, for quite a while. And that was, that was really good training just to be able to have to write something right away. Like mm-hmm. you got, you got 20 minutes to write a song. We need to record it in an hour. It needs to be on the air by the end of the day, that kind of thing. Wow. That kind of, that kind of pressure. So real quick. Yeah. So you don't even think about the pressure. You just do it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no, mm. you have no choice. <laughs> you yeah, know, no the, the situation is forcing you to, to make it happen. So that was really good training and that's helped me um, along the really? way. And, that is, and then as the timeline goes at age 23, I, picked everything up and threw it in my little car and drove to LA and moved there and was there for 17 years. And that's where, if you want to say my, my touring career started and that started with the band Ambrosia. Yeah. Kenny Loggins. And, yeah. Yeah. And then a, f- a few years later it was Kenny Loggins and, and it just went from there, Christopher Cross and uh, just, you know, met people along the way, met some great musicians along the way. That's some really good, uh, musicians that became really good friends and we've all just gotten each other work and recommended each other for this and that. And that becomes a, a nice pool of, of, uh, of contacts yeah. that you make that can help your career get going. And, you know, when someone's recommending you for somebody, you don't want to let them down. So you, 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 you stay, you stay at a level where, and, and it goes vice versa. If I'm going to recommend someone, if, if it doesn't work out, I, that doesn't make me look good. So those yeah. Kind of- yeah, so those kind of connections and contacts are important, and um, I've been very blessed to have a nice, a, a great group of friends and colleagues that, that uh, we've all helped each other. Yeah. Okay. Um, true. Yeah. And let's get back to uh, instruments. So besides your instruments, what are the top five things you make sure to carry with you on a tour? As far as equipment? Yeah. That's a hard one because, yeah. and, I, and I have to say, I admit I've gotten spoiled because I don't have to carry anything. Oh. It's carried for you. You have, you have the <laughs> wonder, wonderful road crew that is out there carrying your stuff for you. Yeah. So, um, as far as equipment goes, I don't see any of my equipment until I get to soundcheck. I don't mm-hmm. see any of it until I get to the stage. It's all wow. taken care of, and I've been very blessed to have some fantastic mm-hmm. uh, uh, bass and guitar techs over the years. Right. Uh, Johnny Gosnell, these guys have just been, you know, uh, they, they, they take such good care of us that way. So, so I, I don't know if I'm, I don't, I can't really answer your question that way, but if you, yeah. <laughs> if you're, if now let's say I'm, I'm doing a, I'm playing in a bar, playing at a, mm-hmm. a, a club or something. Uh, you got your bass, you got your, yeah. your amplifier, your cabinet, 
you got your cables. <laughs> you got to plug them in. And then <laughs> mic stand and microphone. Yeah, and that's from there you go. Mm-hmm. I think that's five. Sure. <laughs> there's your there's your necessary five. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, besides besides your instruments, besides your musical instruments, what are the things that you carry with you on a tour, or make sure you carry? Top five things. I have a uh, a backpack that I carry, and inside there I've got pretty much everything I need. Uh, so you mm-hmm. you, you, got your, you got your main uh, valise or or uh, suitcase that you bring, and that's cool. got all, all your clothes and and things. And uh, I also bring like workout bands and stuff, you know, to to. Yeah. But the backpack's got got the laptop in there. It's got uh, some listening speakers, and it's got uh, all little personal items that you need. And that's 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 the most valuable thing on the road that I take is me mm-hmm. that, that backpack. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. awesome. It's got the passport in there. It's got all all the yeah. all the necessary things you need to travel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. So what are you know some of the things that you have learned by observing the legends that you work with? Um well there it's it's that's a that's a tough one too. There's there's so much you can learn uh, as a professional uh, and uh, and how to do a job. Um, everybody makes mm-hmm. music slightly slightly different. There's different different mm-hmm. artists make music different. They approach it. They their their point A to point B is different than than someone else. Um, I would say the most challenging uh, artist to work with from a musical standpoint was Kenny Loggins. And that's because uh-huh. he's always, he's always changing his arrangements, right? He, he's, he's, um, he's never satisfied. He's always, yeah. he, and I don't know if it's boredom. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I worked with him for, for a better part of 24 years. And I was as yeah. his music director too. So working very closely yes. with him that way. He likes to experiment. He likes to change things. So it's so just when you get comfortable playing a part, singing a part, he'll change your vocal part and expect you to, to do that on stage. So things are always changing. And not to mention his music is is challenging too. I found his music more challenging to play and perform than Toto's music. Um, oh, wow. And it's it's true. It, it's what what is required of you in the to, to um, nail the Kenny Loggins gig. It's much more challenging because a lot because a lot of the changes and and some intricacies consistent intricacies of his music um toto wow. I, in the three years with toto i don't can't remember changing one arrangement because they just this, this is the this is the arrangement it's iconic let's play it and that and that was that would best serve that music kenny's different he, he's he's interested in, in pleasing himself more than his audience and that, ah, that yeah. presents challenges just on how to how to keep up with him. You have to you have to almost yeah. anticipate where he's going to go, and, and he, that's not always predictable. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, expect so the unexpected. Yeah. yeah. So so to answer your question, the the learning experience, um, I learned I learned a lot from that, and it and it makes you better. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, here comes another change. Oh, we're doing this yeah. again. 
but it it in the yeah. big, it prepares you for the next thing that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, life is always about uh, uh, life's always trying to teach you a lesson. It's up to us to pay attention. And I certainly learned a lot from that experience, and I'm 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 grateful for it. it made me better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just imagining how much you need to be on your toes when working <laughs> with someone like Kenny Loggins. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and he's such a musical guy. He just oozes musicality. Mm-hmm. And it comes out in everything he does, and and I and learned a lot. Grateful, yeah. grateful yeah. for those, those years. Yeah, and, um, here's something I'm interested in. So I'm a huge Tom Jones fan. So and I read somewhere that you have worked with him. So yes. can you tell us the story behind that? Sure. I, that's that's one of the most fun times I've had in my career as a, as a touring musician. Um, Tom likes to work. He likes to get out there and play. He did, he does 200, well, in, in those days, he was doing 240 to 260 shows a year. Yeah. You know, with, with, with Ben, with a artist like Kenny Loggins or Toto, maybe you'll do 60 or 60 to 80. Mm-hmm. Tom Jones, it's two, over 200 shows a year. So it was just, we're on the road constantly. And, um, I really enjoyed working with Tom. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun. Uh, he, he's 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 a simple man. He 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 likes he likes five things, and that's really all he's interested in his life. Try, and I used to, used to have this list memorized, but I used to say, and this is in no particular order. He his favorite is to sing. He loves to mm-hmm. sing. I've never known anyone who loves to sing more than Tom. He likes oh, yeah. steak dinner, Dom Perignon. Cuban cigars and the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it. Outside of that, he's really not interested. So he just has a mm-hmm. has a has a wonderful life. He loves loves touring. He's people don't realize he's one of the wealthiest entertainers in existence. He is. He, he he's, really is. he's very, he's very uh, and he invested early in his career when he was making money when his career first began. He's done really, really well. Um of all the singers I've worked with, that's the yeah. hugest, the hugest voice I've ever been around. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really he's a baritone, but he has B flats, Bs and Cs. Yeah, what a so voice! Wow. In the classical world, we would call him a true Helden tenor. In the yeah. if we're talking in the German Fach system, he he yeah. is. It's a, if you stand too close to him while he's singing, your your face will start to melt. Because he's just, it's just this wow. colossal voice, and it's it's great. Uh, I, I really I have nothing but uh, fond memories of of that experience mm-hmm. working with Tom, and uh, I can't believe that that's right. that that's that, that was ninety eight. That's a long time ago. Ninety eight. Wow. Yeah. The, the yeah. entire year of ninety eight, January to, January to December, New Year's Eve. Um, I did that whole 98 tour. That was great. We went a lot of great places too. Wow. That's impressive. Well, thank you for telling us a story. Oh, yeah. And I love what his voice. He's a legend. He's a he's legend. legend. I, I, mm, I have nothing but respect for Tom. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, he's a good man too. He's, he's just a simple, decent, I, I, that much exposure to him, 260 shows. I never saw him get upset once. Yeah, just, just an even wow. guy walked in. And he goes, "Hello, how was how was everyone? Good, let's sing." And he just goes. Yeah, and it's, it's great. Oh. I, 
nothing but good, nothing but praise. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, straightforward. He's he's sorted. <laughs> Very well sorted. Cool. So, uh, when it comes to the backing vocals in the songs like "Only the Children" and "Home of the Brave," where the vocals are high and they stay in the same register throughout. So, how does one obtain stamina for it? Well, for one, sometimes you know, everybody's voice lives in a certain area, register-wise, right? Everybody, some people are just yeah. comfortable singing in a certain register. Um, right. I'm I'm not usually comfortable singing up there in that in that tessitura for that long. Mm -hmm. but you just you can do things to. The smart vocalist is the, is the vocalist that survives. You have to be smart. It's a singing is has to be a, has to have a, a level of intelligence going into the singing because you can you can really hurt yourself if you try to do things that are not wise. So those those songs in particular, yeah, they sit in that high register. So you have to prepare. It's how you attack a note. It's how you um, prepare the note before you actually strike it. You know, right. So, and I, I'm, I'm a tenor, so my voice does favor living in that area, in that register, but, uh, right. but I don't just, just open my mouth and belt it out. I'm, I'm conscious of, of making it work, you know, I'm right. at a level of, of experience and, and wisdom to singing those, those songs that, that even, you know, that you were mentioned there as examples. It's necessary to revise. Yeah. Right, and I, I'll I'll tell you an example about Joe, sure. Joseph Williams. Uh, you know, yes, singer with Toto, monster singer, Toto. amazing. You know, he was oh, with yeah. Toto, he was with Toto in the eighties, and he said that he tried to tried to just sing and sing and sing, and he hurt himself, and he and he, it was very difficult for him. So when he came back to Toto, he was much wiser, and he approached things uh, in a different way. Same songs, but he approached things right. in a much wiser, more experienced way. He learned from from mistakes and he's taken right. that and now listen to him now. And it's just, he, he came out on stage and he nailed it every night because mm -hmm. of that wisdom, because of that, because of that experience. Same, yeah. like, same songs, but now he just knows how to approach them. So oh, yeah. that, that's Brilliant. a great example for, I think the question you're asking. True. True. Brilliant. And now I want to take you to, Toto, the 40, 40 tours around the sun. That was, uh, first of all, that album is amazing. I'm a huge fan of it. And, uh, you know, uh, it, was, it was filmed in Amsterdam. Correct. In front of a sold out audience of more than 18,000 people. How did you guys, first of all, prepare for it? How many cameras were set? <laughs> and tell about that whole experience. Tell us about it. About about sh shooting that that uh, Blu-ray, the DVD. Yeah, yeah, the DVD and your entire experience of the tour. That's one of the most fun tours I've I've been on, um, from mm -hmm. the standpoint of you know getting to play this great music with with such incredible musicians, and. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
the places that we went. You know, I, I went to, you know, I went to some countries. In your opening, you said 44 countries. It's actually 66. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I might have been reading an older, you know, yeah, older bio, uh, but but just yeah, correction. Got to go to some some great places. Um, how did we prepare for that? Well, usually when a band is going to uh, record, especially video, a concert, they usually schedule that that concert later in a tour, right? So that you mm -hmm. have several shows beforehand to prepare. To get the get the band really in a great great spot, and and right. everybody's just just clicking, and it, the chemistry's there there. And by the time you get to filming, you're not even aware or conscious that you're filming. And I'm yeah. not sure the number of cameras on that shoot, possibly seven, six or seven. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, we we were just ready. We were just ready to do the show, and uh, the audience was fantastic, and. Um, just by coincidence, my niece happened to be touring uh, Europe, just just going around and touring, and she was tapped, happened to be uh, in Amsterdam that day. Oh, so wow. she, got to, she got to come to the show, which is just one of those things, you know, lightning struck there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was it was um, it was a marvelous experience. Though that that was a nine week tour that was from February into late April. Mm -hmm. My God! Yeah, and we were we were tired. We were very tired, but it was wow! Oh, it, it was a wonderful touring experience. The, those those three months were fantastic. Yeah, wow. that's, that's so amazing. amazing. And really? uh, so, you have made uh, music trailers, game trailers, uh, musical scores, and all kinds of songs. But what is the favorite one you've made for someone? Oh, wow. Um, like, like something I'm most proud of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, my, my favorite things that I do is when I get to write orchestral, mm -hmm. when I get to write in the symphonic style and with that instrumentation. And, um, I, I, it's a very short piece, but I, I really just, I think my, my writing came together when I was writing for Rise of Babylon. And uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's the first posted thing on my SoundCloud page. Probably first posted there because that's the one I'm most proud of. I, I like yeah. people to hear that one. But that, that's just, everything kind of came together. And what's interesting about that piece is there's no woodwinds. It's one of the few things that I've written for orchestra that there are, there's no woodwinds. Yeah. But you don't miss them. It's It just was, it's kind of required for that that mm -hmm. piece that, that there are no woodlands, but I like that one. Any anything ah. in that genre, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm I just jump at the chance. There's Equinox. It's and it's part part two of yeah. Equinox coming, but part one. It's the same kind of instrumentation and and uh, writing style. And I just I get to I get to do what I love. And that's there's no one telling me what to do. It's just, it's like this this is a uh, like go right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably stuff like that. And, and my, I have a suite for orchestra called Mark of the Curse, uh, which was originally for a film. And then I just excerpted it and got it down to, you know, a suite of five, five movements. Mm -hmm. And uh, all these things are up on my SoundCloud, right. SoundCloud mm -hmm. page. So. Yes. Stuff like that. And the link is in the description of this video, folks. So yes. check out. <laughs> right. And 
Oh yeah, I just found the backstage picture of you guys. That's uh that was us that's us at uh, rehearsals in LA at uh, right. Dirk Schubert's place there at the power power plant there in uh North Valley there. North Hollywood. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So we have a question related to that and this was asked by Funky please read um, so Alex ST Guitar is asking, what was the funniest story when you were on the road with Toto? <laughs> it's impossible to answer because there's there's a lot. <laughs> um, give, us, give us one. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I, I'm blanking. My mind is blank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the fun thing about it. <laughs> there, just, you know, I, I've talked about being... Um, you know, there's a front lounge of the bus and there's a back lounge of the bus. And the front lounge yeah. of the bus was was mostly, it was David Page, Joseph Williams, myself, and Warren Hamm, and uh, 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 one of the best crew guys in the world, Steve Cohen. And then, and we would just sit up front and tell stories and and laugh. And I looked forward to those those couple of hours before before we would go to go to sleep. It's just just the bond. I, I wish. I wish I could uh, I could come up with a with a funny story, but I just I'm blanking on that right now. So Alex, I apologize. It's okay. That's I apologize. We'll, we'll, work, we'll work through it throughout the course of this interview, so it'll come sometime. It'll come, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> cool. So uh, also, you mentioned that one of the most challenging Toto songs are written by. Uh, Steve Porcaro, and why is that so? I think people are, are when I say that, and I've said that a few times in interviews. Um, I think they're, yeah. they're they're surprised at that because this, the the songs that uh, that Steve wrote for the Toto albums, a lot of them are are you know uh, ballads, you know slower tempo songs, yeah. songs that don't require a lot of dexterity. But there's something about the way Steve writes. That the, that the bass lines have to be phrased a certain way. Even the song Human Nature, right? It's a synth bass on yeah. the record, right? So the way you, you approach it with electric bass, there's a certain length of note that's important. The, the length of uh, notes, Steve's picky about this. So it's not just playing the notes, it's giving it, I mean, within a millisecond of this, the, the, the duration of a note, the sustain of the note has to be just right. And, and, and and that's the way he wants it, and he's particular about that, and he should be. They're his songs, so it's right. not so much a challenge of like, their difficult parts. It's there's a there's a way he wants it that isn't necessarily how I would do it. So I'm having to go outside of myself because a lot of the other Toto songs, while you're playing the standard baseline that's on the record, you're able to play some of your own things. You're supposed to phrase things a different way. Uh, use a different choice right. of register. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff with David Hungate in the early albums, there wasn't five string, there weren't five string basses in those days. So you're taking, you're, you're dropping some octaves with the five string bass. Um, yeah. But with Steve's songs, there's a particular way he wants it. And to deliver it the way he wants it, you've got to step outside yourself. And I found that not challenging isn't the right word. I found it interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. And, and um, you know, Steve's the one that recommended me to the band, so I wanted to do right by him and play his songs the way he wanted to play. 
you know, it's just this yeah. best way to respect him is to, you know, give him what he wants. True. Yep. Absolutely. There you go. And another thing is this picture. <laughs> this is something interesting, right? Yeah. So do you want to tell us about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I posted something on, on Instagram about, about that. Right. Yeah. If, you look, if you look at that picture and you look at uh, where, what's happening, that's the, that's the same moment in the show, but from three different shows. Yeah. And that's life. Yeah. And, and I try to explain that when, when um, Don plays a lot of the, uh, when Don Felder plays a lot of the songs that were sung by Don Henley, it's more comfortable for him to to drop the key a little bit, tune the guitar down yeah. to E flat concert. Flat. But I, I I hated doing that because it's just messing with my perfect pitch. My fingers here, I want to hear that tone. I want to hear that mm. note. So, <laughs> so I stayed in 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 E, you know, standard E tuning. But in order to get mm -hmm. that. You know, there's that moment in the, in the song where it's dum ba dum da dum da dum da dum da dum, or for that da dum. It's usually on the yeah. bottom, it's an open E, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Probably you know this, you're a bass player. Yeah. But we don't have that note. I need the low E flat because they're in e, oh. the rest of the band's in E flat. So I had to hammer on with my right hand, cross hand, right. and then I have to play. The bass is actually the melody. At that point, yeah, and the is a harmony part that Don's playing on the guitar. Yeah, so True. that was always became a moment in the show, and Don would always just like look over, like, "How are you doing that?" And like, like that. <laughs> I have no, there's no other way to play it because you need that low note. You can't play the high note. This doesn't sound right. Would, That's a big, big that. Yeah, so <laughs> that was just that just became like a a funny moment in the show for us. And you can see from the pictures that it's just, yeah, it was just one of those, one of those times. And one of those pictures, you can see I'm really concentrating <laughs> on uh, what, what I'm doing. That's probably an early, yeah. The one, the one, uh, the one on the upper left is the one where you can see like, that's probably early in the tour where I'm working that out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what really I was, cool though. Yeah. That's what I was that's playing cool. music man bass there. That was Don's, Don's music man that we brought on the road. Yeah. Oh wow. wow! So cool. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's truly impressive. And um, so now let's talk about you as an author. So, when and how mm -hmm. did that whole journey begin? And what can you tell us about Ghosts of the Fathers? Well, I used to write stories when I was a kid. I I thought that there was a possible future for me as an author when I was first, second, third grade. I used to write stories, and I remember my teacher saw me doing that, and she had me read my stories to the class. And yeah. and I remember being up there, going, "How did I get up here? Like, what, what, why am I standing here?" But I I I like creating. I like fiction, and I like um, you know, if there's if there's a certain something that I want to say that's important to me, the fiction is a great way to deliver uh, a philosophy, mm. a message. Um, so. Ghosts of the Fathers came about just just from, um, you know. There's there's. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. I like I like to live in the live in reality. But right. uh, I, I there's there's um, there's an element when you are creating a story from scratch and it's your story. You can you can 
you can ask what if all day long. Yeah. What if? What if? And that's why, uh, off the subject, one of my favorite movies in the last five years is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the yeah. Tarantino film. Uh, because it, because yeah. it's the what if. What if they had gone to the wrong house? What if? And so, uh -huh. and, and and I just I, I just think that movie is just crafted so well. Mm -hmm. But um, without giving the the story away of my my my, my story, because I'm still I'm still working on it. If the, if the book is finished. It's just not, it's not, doesn't have all the, yeah. the I's dotted and the T's crossed, I you know, you. metaphorically. Uh, but it's, it's a work in progress. It's been frustrating because I, I'm having difficulty devoting the time to it. Mm -hmm. I was, I've been working on it since 2011, right? I wrote the story in 2011, completed the whole draft, but, um, and I would work on it on the road, but the Toto schedule was was hard and I, f I found myself I couldn't mm -hmm. concentrate I lost focus on working on the book when I was on the road with Toto so and it, so it's a, it's a frustrating topic for me right now because I haven't been able to devote the time to it yeah. but um, but it's a relevant story story in terms of its theme mm -hmm. and the things that are, that yeah. are happening in the world and so I, I look I'm focused on so many other things right now. Um, you know, with with with, uh, with the with the last year and and uh, COVID and everything, it's it was uh, it really shut our industry down. And a lot of people, True. a lot of us musicians and artists, have had to really scramble to make things work and find work in different areas of music and entertainment. And so that's my main focus. You know, survival is a mm. Is, is, is a compelling, a compelling thing. True. So I'll get back to it at some point and I'll, and I'll finish it up. But uh, like I said, it's a frustrating topic for me right now because you know, those, those times where you're, you're lying in bed and you can't, can't sleep. And those, that's one of the things in my mind, like I gotta get the book finished. I gotta yeah. finish the book. So at some point it'll happen, but uh, yeah, it, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah. But thanks for asking about it. It will happen. Yes. Absolutely, and we we wish you all the best with the book. So yeah. we're rooting for you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, whenever out. whenever you continue with writing it, all the best to you. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna ask you now about the orchestral part of your uh, career. You know, when you're conducting, and how is conducting? Obviously, it's different, but how different it is and how much you have to micromanage things when you're, you know, writing the string arrangements and whatnot and when you have the baton in your hand, so to say. Well, as, as a conductor, let's, let, let's say you're conducting an existing piece, right? You're conducting okay. uh, a famous symphony or you're conducting a piece that's, that's well known. It's probably more than likely that the musicians have played it more than you've conducted it. So there's mm -hmm. really not a lot the conductor needs to do, right? Yeah. The, 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 okay. conductor has to, the conductor, the maestro has to have a little sense of humility and say, you, you've played the Brahms Third Symphony more than I've conducted it. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to have a, this command over the orchestra. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm just going to persuade you to maybe 
do a couple things the way I want you to do it. Does that make sense? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, 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 the place a conductor should approach conducting from. Now, if you're conducting your own arrangement or your own composition, of course, you have the, you have the, the final say on what you, how you want something played. And in that case, the orchestra has never played it before. They're looking at the page for the first time and they're seeing note passages for the first time. So I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was conducting for Kenny Loggins, because Kenny Loggins did a lot of symphony shows. Yeah. We, we, would, we would travel around to a lot of the symphonies and he would do this symphony show. It was completely different than his regular show. Same songs, but very, you know, just perform very differently. And you know, these orchestral players are, are I'm saying this uh, affectionately, they're, they're very kind of snobby. Mm -hmm. and I say that as, with respect for them because they, they, they're amazing players, right? They can read yeah. anything off the page the first time they see it like they've played it 10 times. That's just, that's the level of, of musician and player they are. Right. So when they see this guy come up on stage with, you know, who's dressed in this, you know, more rock, rock outfit, they're like, who's this guy? You know, this yeah. is like, this, this is good. <laughs> they don't want to work any harder than they need to. And they shouldn't. They've earned the right to be there, right? So they, they don't want their time wasted. They're very mm. like, how long is like, how long a rehearsal is going to be? That's really what they're thinking when they see a new conductor or, or a new artist come up on stage with them. So you have to win yeah. them over in the first five minutes. They've got to, you've got to let them know this is going to go very smoothly. And as soon as they know it's going to go smoothly and they're going to get their 15 minute break in a half an hour, they love you. When, yeah. they, when they see, so, so you have to come into that situation very prepared ah. to be able to anticipate any question, be able to anticipate everything. So if now, you know, you know, if you've written the chart, you're much more, uh, you know, you know the material well, and you can answer that. But if it, you're you're conducting someone else's music or someone else's arrangement, you've got to know that arrangement really well, so that you can avoid uh, or or anticipate any question that's coming your way. And that that helped me out greatly um, because wow. <laughs> that the, I, that was my least favorite part of the moment was stepping onto that podium for the first moment of rehearsal and just seeing the looks of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look of utter disgust, you know. So, but, yeah. but you know, again, it's just you're forced into the situation. This must happen. So, you you win them over. But the best way to handle them is to have respect for them, right? This is their house. This is their orchestra. This is their room. This is their concert hall. Yes. You're the you're the intruder. So if you go in there like with some, right. you know, with this this attitude of you're this grand maestro. Eh, I don't think that serves the situation well. Um, so you, you gotta you gotta know your place. And like I said, as soon as you win them over and you yeah, see yeah. their confidence come like that, oh, this is gonna be smooth. It's grand. <laughs> and and I've gotten such wonderful feedback from orchestra members in the past after after the concert, you know, musicians come up and they say, Boy, this that was really a great experience and you know, I really enjoyed the, the work and enjoyed the, the concert. So that's a reward. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah. So first comes winning the hearts, and then yeah. comes winning the music and whatnot. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. You know, it's just because everyone's playing the same music doesn't mean everyone has the same 
emotional uh, experience dealing with the unknown, mm -hmm. right? Right. A lot of insecurities come out when people are dealing with the unknown. And when it's a new situation for everyone, there's the unknown. So people are more apt to handle it because of their own securities and other people aren't. So right. you got to bend and feel, feel that out and use your, use your, your, your people smarts. And touring, yeah. touring, you know, I've been to 84 countries performed in 66. You, your people smarts, um, yeah. <laughs> you're educated a little bit there about how to deal with, deal with people. Yeah. I yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. you want to give us some tips on that? <laughs> please, please. Maybe do a lecture, <laughs> lecture circuit or something and talk, talk about that. But it's it's uh, I enjoy that. I love I love I love. Uh, it's one of the great great treasures of, of being able to tour the world many times over. Is you just meet people you would never meet. People with their own history, their own families, their own ups and downs, and their their joys. Right. It's it's uh. What a what a thrill to be able to do that! Uh, a, I'm I'm just so thankful for it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, totally and absolutely. That's really wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. I wanna I have a question about the baton that a conductor has. Is there a technique involved in the gestures that you do? Is there a technique to do those gestures, or is that more of a thing that happens naturally? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there, there, there is, there's, there's certain, there are certain, um, certain styles. Okay. Uh, the conductor of the Boston pops, he conducts with his hands. Everything is with, with the hands. Ah. And when I saw that done, I, and I realized, because all the, the baton is, and usually the, the baton is a little even lighter color than this. It's just so that it can be seen. So that the mm -hmm. guys in the back can see where everything's being, being beat and, and cued and moved and all this, right? It's yeah. just so that it can be seen. But if you are strong with your gestures and you're clear, you can really do the same thing. And I, I almost found it more effective with the hands. Just hands. Yeah. Ah, um, I see. What what people also can can be confusing, and you can learn this the hard way as a conductor. You mm -hmm. know, as a as a rhythm section musician, right? Bass player or drummer. Uh -huh. Everything is on the beat, right? Yeah, right. And you have to yes. nail that. But when you cue a downbeat, like let's say this is the tempo, the conductor yeah. has to be before it. It's Oh. Whoa! The orchestra, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wants to, the orchestra wants to see this before they attack the note. It's bum, bum, not bum. You don't conduct on the beat. You have to be ahead. So it, it's, it's when you've practiced and you've played to, to groove on the beat and nail the. When you're conducting, it's it's can be a little awkward. So I I I do what I call cheating. When I can, when I conduct okay. hands, because it's if I want that to be, bah, so if I'm conducting at this tempo in four, one, uh -huh. two, three, four, one, two, three, I'm just letting my up hands, the up motion of the hands, yeah. be where it sits. Right, that make, right. That makes sense. Right, yeah. right. So one. Oh, wow. So when I hit yeah. the down beat, it's just the up. 
Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I don't know if it's so much cheating, but that's how that's how I would get by that if I was. That's that's more more of a hack. Yeah, that's smart. Than cheating, that's smart. That's a hack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Well, what, was, what was what was challenging for me was sometimes I would connect conduct Kenny Loggins stuff while playing the bass. So this hand has to be conducting. Yeah. You know, I would do a lot of head cues, cues. You know, because Kenny Loggins, the, the tempo is the same throughout the whole song. It's a pop song, so the tempo is not changing. So I don't have to slow them down for any retardation. You know, I don't have to mm. do, do any of that stuff. You know, cello rondos or, you know, so. But sometimes when I have to hit cues, I have to have the cue early, but I still have to play yeah. in time. Oh, yeah. those, those were, those were some uh, crazy moments. Right. <laughs> well, that's that's wow. really impressive. That's really impressive. And I have to say that conductors, they I don't know why, but they remind me of wizards with those wands. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I mean, right. the things you do, you really are a wizard. So. You know. Oh yeah. Again, you that is so trust trust the musicians have more than likely played the piece more than you've conducted it. So leave mm -hmm. it in their hands. Mm -hmm. just, just just persuade them here and there. Yeah. You know, you don't command them. You're not so you know. Cool. It's mm -hmm. I don't think it should be dictatorial. You know, even yeah. though the mm -hmm. maestro is the maestro, you know, the master. But nah, just 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 let them let them play. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Okay. That was so beautiful. And then in 2014, the Apex was released. Now, Apex, by the way, folks, is Shem himself. And uh, Mr. Steve, I hope I'm saying this right, D. Stanislaw? Very good. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, the Apex. The Apex. Yeah. Um, that was a band or a, a, a group formed, we were on a Kenny Loggins tour, he was doing a Christmas tour. And uh, I forget what, okay. what year specifically, but on drums was Steve, on guitar uh -huh. was Chris, Chris Rodriguez, great guitar wow. player. Yeah, there's Steve. Stevie D. Stevie D. <laughs> yeah. Greatest, the greatest drummer, just, just hands down. But um, Pink Floyd, right? David Gilmore. David Gilmore, yes. David Gilmore, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, uh, Don Felder, Kenny Loggins, he's done a lot of stuff. But the three awesome. of us, Chris Rodriguez, Steve, myself, would, would sit in the back of the bus and we would watch old police concert videos, you know, by the police. Ah. We just said we should start our own band and write, write, write some songs and do that. And that's what we were going to do. You know, Chris lived in Nashville, I'm in Phoenix, and Stevie lives in, in the L.A. area. Mm -hmm. And Chris just Chris just wasn't available. You know, we, he wanted to do stuff. He just wasn't available. So I just started to write songs and put together little, little demos with me playing guitar. And what yeah. was supposed to be a power trio turned into a power duo. Duo. And mm -hmm. we just were we we found it difficult to make the time for it, uh, but we were at least able to get at three songs and put out a three song EP, which is. Mm -hmm. Uh, available on iTunes and uh, CD Baby. You can get it. So it's three songs. Link in description again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, we did we did one music video for it for Faith to Die. That's uh, that's on my YouTube channel. 
Um, Link in description again. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are on it. You guys have been, you've been doing this for like 20 years. You, you're on it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, so cool. And that's really awesome. I love that video, by the way. And oh, thanks. Fear to die. That was, uh, oh, amazing. that was my last project I did on the old Final Cut Pro before it went to, uh, to version 10. And, and, and I didn't know anything about 10. So I was like, oh, I should have waited till I learned 10 because there was so much more better better editing things there. So <laughs> that's my one regret when I watch. I'm like, oh, I could have fixed that part in 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. But now really cool, really cool. And then Son of Arthur happened way before it happened in 2001. Yes. Right? Son this of Arthur. something, yeah. He's when I was on the road with Tom Jones, um, the guitar player in the band wow. used to uh, used to leave his acoustic guitar just kind of sitting out on the on the lounge bus. So I would just pick it up and play it. And at the time, I really didn't consider myself a, a great guitar player, um, mm -hmm. but I would just play. And like anything, when you're when you're not thinking about it, you're just you're getting better. Like yeah. I remember when I taught myself to taught myself I wanted to play hockey when I taught myself to. To want to learn the stick and the puck and get all the, the puck movements, but what I wasn't realizing was I was skating, but I wasn't thinking about my skating. I'm playing oh, playing yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like skating, right. crossing over. I'm like, how did I learn to do that? Because I wasn't thinking about it. Same mm -hmm. thing with guitar. I just was, you know, mm -hmm. thinking about other things and playing. And my playing got better. My songwriting got on guitar got better, and I had this uh, pocket full of songs, and. When I got off the road, I, I said, oh, I'm going to start recording some of these things. And I thought at first it was going to be full production stuff. And then um, a very good friend of mine, John DeFaria, who I was in a police tribute band with for years, and he's still a good friend, great composer. Mm -hmm. He said, make an acoustic album. Because these songs just sound great with you on, with your voice and, and just playing acoustic guitar. Make that the, the, the centerpiece of the album. Make it like you're, you're just on stage playing that and maybe put some arrangement and things behind you. And I went right. Interesting, and that's and that's how Son of Arthur came about. Um, and I just basically recorded it in a home studio like this, and um, right. it was recorded to ADATs. There was no computers. It was all an yeah. acoustic album. Everything on the record was recorded with a microphone. Everything, mm -hmm. even the even the wow. bass was plugged into an amp, but the mic was was uh, yeah. recording the amp. Oh wow. Um, and one thing about that album is I had walking pneumonia during the vocals of that oh album. Oh, my. That was, I, was, I got, is like the only time in my life I've ever been sick. I, I never get sick. I have mm -hmm. just a, you know, a nuclear immune system. And, uh, but I, I caught pneumonia and it just wouldn't go away. You know, the, 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 <laughs> the bacteria was going, we like it here. We want to stay. So when I, when I listen to the vocals, I can, I can still hear it. And I, it was getting to a point where I was putting off the vocals and delaying recording it, delaying recording it. And I finally said, I just got to sing through it. And it probably wasn't very wise, but I got it done. And that was the one drag about recording that was just like, I couldn't get past it. Because I was fully functional, right? When you have walking one, you can get around, you don't, but it just True. sat here. And uh, right. But to Son, of, Son of Arthur was was a challenge because it went outside of my comfort zone. You know, I'm yeah. playing hard and, and, you know, approaching music in a completely different way. And I, 
Um, there's I'm trapped inside myself. It, the one that song you mentioned that's a that's a that's one of my favorites on that record too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. It just it has a it has a, a it, it it came out in a way that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's, the, that's one of the fun things about recording music. It just you have a you have a, a you know an idea of what it's going to sound like, and then when it when it comes out the other end of the cheese grater, it's like something else. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's one of those songs. It did not I did not expect it to sound turn out mm -hmm. that way. I like it. My yeah, God, wow. yeah. Please check out the album, folks. It's really really fantastic. You're you're gonna love it. Thank you, guys. And amazing, yeah, amazing album. So, uh, you know, we haven't even gotten into fitness yet, but we are still on to talking about music and stuff, and we're Whatever. already over one hour. Okay, Funky, you want to ask Anders questions? Yeah, yeah, sure. People's um, questions, yeah. But, uh, um. Yeah. Anders' question. So Anders Lindholm is asking, so does Shem have a piece of gear that he lost and wishes he could get back? Preferably a guitar, but it can, of course, be anything. Oh. Yes. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't mine, but it yeah. was, it was borrowing. Um, I had I was I was borrowing. It was a, it was a, a music swap. Like here, you you take this, and I'll I'll keep this for a while. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I had a Gibson okay. a Gibson SG model double neck bass and guitar. Oh, dang. yeah. So it was it was a it was a bass up top and a guitar on mm -hmm. the bottom. Wow. And wow, I loved that thing. The bass had a tone that I'll never hear again. Mm -hmm. And. I had that for several years and my buddy, Paul Cote, he wanted it back. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> he said, yeah, you still have that thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, I got that phone call. That was, that was a sad day. So I didn't oh. lose it or, or, you know, but, but, um, yeah. Uh, so that, 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 was, that was, that was one thing I lost um, and then, and would, would love, love to have back. But, um, Speaking of lost, I'm, we're we're searching for my uh, my my rig, my the, the the bass amp and rig that I used on the first tour with Toto. We can't locate it right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mystery. So I'm looking to get my my Galen Kruger uh, gear back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> investigation, ongoing investigation. Wow, as to what happened to my gear? FBI. Yeah, FBI. Yeah, we're bringing in the bringing in the <laughs> allies there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure uh, there's a there's My something God. I'm not thinking of that that I lost that I I'd love to get back. Um, okay, the, so much gear, right. so much gear. Yeah. <laughs> so many years, so much so much gear. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I hope yeah. I hope for one day you will, you know, play that guitar again, bass guitar, whatever. I was gonna say the same. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a photo of me playing it somewhere. I, I, if I was able to post it, I, I, I could I could do that. I, I might even be on this computer here. Yeah, I will find it. Maybe you can send it. You know, yeah, maybe. Yeah, after it, maybe you can post it on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Okay, 
can you tell us your fan moment who was it with my fan so right moment right now it is right now for us it is with you <laughs> for you for you who was it with? oh you know i because because i've been around uh great musicians artists a lot of actors cuz my dad's been involved in the in the film industry and in, you know in new york and stuff i i grew up meeting uh celebrities and stars and and uh oh, singers cool. and um but there's been moments where I, my jaw just drops and i I I'm just like a little little boy in the room yeah. and that was when i got to meet uh, my opera favorite opera singer and favorite opera artist yeah who was and it? that was that's john vickers mhm passed away a few years ago uh, in 2015 but he's he I got to I was very fortunate to be able to meet him and really spend some good quality time with him uh mentored me on on some things and some roles and yeah, just that was that was that was a dream come true that I actually get a little emotional thinking about it cuz yeah. he's just he's just so what an amazing artist John Vickers J O N Vickers mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. kind of an even bigger voice than Tom Jones yeah. if you will I mean, Judges, yeah. but but the same type of the same type of voice in that they're like almost a baritone with high notes mm-hmm. held in mm-hmm. heroic tenor um amazing experience being able to spend really good quality time with him i was yeah. i was very starstruck about that okay. um wow i i'm i'm kind of old an old soul when it comes to a much more uh it's 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 a much more a uh, grand experience for me to meet an old-time actor or artist um there's a show on TV called The Virginian mm-hmm. uh, it was a western mm-hmm. show um okay ran, ran from from in the 50s into into early 60s and uh-huh. uh, this and my dear friend Timothy Drury who's a keyboard player and great composer and I played with him for years with Don Felder his father was the Virginian James Drury oh and wow I, and I grew up watching that show and and there was an opportunity to meet him and when I got to meet James Drury that was uh that was a moment and I mm-hmm. I was I was that was a that was a huge fan moment for me yeah um, wow and I have to say uh getting to meet and work with David Page from Toto. Mhm. I was close. Yes. I was I was fanned out when I when that when I got to meet him for the first time. And yeah. He's one of your heroes too. Yeah. And we still we have a, we still have a great friendship and we text all the time. We're always sending some joke back. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> awesome. um, the, those I just have re- respect for the seasoned artist. I have much more respect and yes. much more of a thrill for me to 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 uh meet and meet and experience those guys. Mhm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So and honored. so honored. Yeah. Is there is there anyone that you would like to meet but haven't yet? Well, I I grew up as a big Sting fan and mm-hmm. for some reason I've just, you know, crossed, you know, I've met pretty much you know everyone wanted to be but sting always gets to uh, he eludes me 
somehow in, in my, in my travels. Um, um, I would love to, I would love to meet and have lunch with people. You know, what's that? Who'd you like? You know, one person you get to meet and have lunch with, that would be John Cleese from yeah. Monty, Monty Python. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faulty Tower. Yeah. That, would be, that would be an hour of, of fun. I just love his I love his mind and uh <laughs> I love his just how he very how fun, he looks yeah. at life. More even more than his comedy, I love how he he sees the world and looks at life. And I think that'd be a fun watch. Yeah, well I hope you, you get to meet him and have lunch with him and talk with him one day. Well they they, they say they say never meet your heroes, yeah. right? You know, let keep keep them iconic and keep them <laughs> as your heroes. Keep them at a distance. And, and I'm not saying this that, that, that you know something like that would, would go wrong or anything. Yeah. But um, the other one they say is uh, even more importantly, sometimes don't work with your heroes. Oh. You know, mm. some that, that often, but but uh, yeah, John Cleese, that'd be fun. Cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Okay. So. Uh, I guess we'll take one more question, Funky. It's already more than an hour, and but we do have a lot of questions. So maybe request, if you'd like to join us for a part two in the future, would you like to join us again on the voice of Chip? Would I? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Anytime. Just say the word. Yay. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, our question, last question for today would be, uh, obviously the last year was a bit of a challenge for everyone and the music industry. And, you know, how did you keep your spirit up in this challenging time? And what would be your piece of advice for uh, everyone that is watching or listening right now and looks up to you? Um, first of all, worry about what you can control, right? Mm -hmm. If it's, it, uh, and, and a lot of us, you know, that was probably the biggest challenge is we lost control of the things we normally could control. Yeah. Right. I, kept, I kept my spirits up by having some wonderful people around me. I had wonderful people around me. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And um, so that, that's, that's one thing, you know, associations. <clears throat> um, art is, is a wonderful escape from, mm. from your day to day. And, you know, I have this, you can't see it, but I have this, this really great room here where I work and uh, I'm just creating you know, stimulating the mind and not getting drawn into, you know, you can, you can really dwell on the negative. And this last year of all of our lives, it's, you know, we definitely had permission to dwell on the negative, mm -hmm. uh, but, right. but, but to, to, um, just, just have the, for me, I'm fortunate. I had the luxury to just have the ability to create and, and, mm -hmm and stimulate you know those creative juices which which is very rewarding um you know everybody talks about the financial reward but why do you want to get into music well, i want to get into it for the money and the women <laughs> yeah, that's it. like well but the artistic reward is everything it's not about the money the money will come 
Mm -hmm. It's the artistic reward. It's something that makes you feel really good. And you don't even have to share it. You don't even have to post it. Everything everybody's posting. Post, 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 post. There's yeah. so many things that I've done and created that I haven't posted. Just because it's just, it's just, I, I love that. And I, that's, that's, that's for my heart and my heart alone. And to so give satisfied. Yes, yes. Uh, if I'm to give advice, find something you love. Find something you love to do. Find something you that that um, that you don't necessarily have to share with anyone. It's um, and right. The hard the hard part was during lockdowns. How how were you able to to do this? Find something that stimulates your mind. Stimulates your mind and and uh, you know reading. Reading, I you know love to love to read. So I'm kind of wow. kind of spinning spinning this answer around in different directions because you know it's a very interesting we question. Love that. Cool. Yeah, it's an interesting question. <laughs> but I'm I again I, I feel fortunate enough that that I'm a creative person and I'm I have that that luxury to be able to create and drown out all the negativity. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Around perfectly. Those are some wise cool. words. Thank you for the advice. And and be like the bear, that video one, which Shem has posted on his Instagram. So you need to look that up, folks. There's a bear video that Shem has posted. There's a Wait. teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> So, uh, I want to share your socials right now with people. First of all, thank you for staying with us and tuning in. Please go check out Shem on uh, shemworks.com. You'll find all the information there. And obviously, please uh, follow him on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or add Facebook at the rate Shem on Trek. And there you go. And please check out the links in the description of this video because you'll find all these links below. So please go ahead and check out. And uh, thank you so much, Sham, for joining us today and giving your valuable time from your morning to us. We are so delighted and so honored and we have learned so much from this interview. And yes. I can't put it in words. It's, it's been yeah. such, such an honor. So. Thank <laughs> well, thank, so, thank you guys. Yeah. I really respect what you guys are doing too. And, and uh, you guys are putting yourselves you. out there and, and, and doing a great job. I mean, this is, you guys do this so, it's so professional how you have the, all this set up. It's really wonderful. Thank <laughs> you so much. Congratulations thank to you, so you guys. Much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you, will, and, you, post uh, this, right? you post your interviews, right? This is live, but you, yes. you also post them to your YouTube yeah. channel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be there. Yeah. Oh, this okay. Great. Now. Great. Yeah. So as soon as we end, it's going to be on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, uh, people will be able to watch it as soon as we end the live. So please go ahead and watch the rebroadcast if you missed the live. So yeah, there you go. And uh, yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in. And this has been an amazing time with Shem. Obviously, uh, well, whatever amount of time you spend, it's gonna seem a little less. So we're gonna meet for a part two with Shem. 
in the future and talk more about the things we did not talk and maybe about the things we talked but in much deeper sense so yes. <laughs> thank you so much shem once again for coming on the voice at show and we are truly grateful for you and may you have a great weekend ahead and my, my we wish you all the best thank you and all the best for your projects that are going on and more to come best of luck and to you thank you guys thank you thank you thank you so much and please stay with us for a moment uh, as soon as we uh, turn on the intro and we end the live please stay with us hang on okay uh, thank you folks uh, peace out and keep loving and ciao for now see you guys take care